few weeks ago, I was speaking with someone who regularly attends Mass here, and they said with the, one of the things they liked about my homilies, or that was very challenging about my homilies, is that I make them recall things that I've said in past homilies. And so here I go again, asking you to recall what I said in a homily a few weeks ago. Actually, it's the first Sunday of Lent. And in that first Sunday of Lent, I talked about remembrance and how remembrance is a key aspect of the lives of the Israelites. And it's a key aspect for us as Catholics as well. Remembrance is such an important thing that it's not just a recalling events that happened, but it's actually a reliving of those events. It's a reliving, not just a retelling of the story, but a reliving and actually participating in the saving events that God has done for his people, the people of Israel, and then even in our lives as well. And so when the, when the Israelites are told to celebrate the Passover every single year at this certain time, at this certain date, what they're actually doing is they're recalling the events of them leaving Egypt, leaving their sin, leaving their idolatry behind, and actually living it out by the way in which they celebrate the meal that they eat. And they eat the same things that they ate, would have eaten on the first Passover. And they tell the story of them picking up their things and leaving Egypt and going into the wilderness, getting far away from the people that continue to pull them into idolatry. And we do the same thing as Catholics. Every time that we come to Mass and we receive the Holy Eucharist at the very end of the consecration, the priest says the mystery of faith and we cry out one of the three proclamations and we call that the anamnesis. And the anamnesis sometimes is, is more than just that, but that's very specifically the part of the Mass that we call that. It is a recalling of the events the saving events of Christ and how they affect our lives. But of course, it's not just a retelling. It's not just a remembering what happened, but it's a reliving. Because when we enter into the Mass, we are entering into Holy Thursday night. We are entering into Good Friday on Calvary. And we are entering into Easter Sunday morning. All of them present here at the Mass as Christ celebrates the Passover, the Last Supper, dies and rises from the dead to give himself fully to us. And we recall this today because of the continuation of the story of Israel in our first reading today and how it plays out in our gospel today as well. Because in our first reading today, we have Joshua. Joshua, remember, was the one, he was one of the two people when they first got to the edge of the promised land in which they were to enter, Moses sent out, to, sent out 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came back from spying out the land that said, God has made it available to us to go in and to conquer this land because he has given it to us. He is with us. We will conquer. It was the other 10... Israelites, the other ten spies, who said, yes, the fruit, the fruit is plentiful, the land will provide much for us, but our enemies, they are huge, they are enormous, we will never conquer them. They are too big, there are too many, we can't overcome them. 
And so they incited fear in all of the Israelites. And so they rebelled against Moses and they rebelled against God and wouldn't enter into the promised land at that time. And so God says, fine, if that's the way you want it, you will wander in the wilderness for 40 years until this generation dies off. And when this generation dies off, and then we will go into the promised land. That was all part of the golden calf incident as well. That all kind of came together. So we have Joshua in our first reading today, who was the successor to Moses, spoke to God, God spoke to him, and they're sitting on the edge of the promised land. They're sitting on the, on the banks of the Jordan River, and they're looking over into the promised land in which they will enter in a, in a, in a few days. And they celebrate Passover. They recall the saving events that happened for them in Egypt. They celebrate the Passover. They eat the manna from heaven for the very last time. And then they will pass through the Jordan River into Israel, into the promised land, the land that God has given them. And this land is so important. This idea of land is so important for the Israelites because it's not something that they chose but it, God who has chosen them, and as God has chosen them, He has chosen for them a place for them to live. And so when they enter into the promised land, the twelve tribes choose a portion of the land in order to settle. And as each of the tribes settle in a portion of the land, that land where that tribe is is then divided amongst the heads of all of the families. And so all of the families have a portion of the land that is not just theirs because they conquered it, but it's theirs because God has chosen for them to have it. And he has chosen for them to live there in order to live in peace, to worship him in peace, in order for them to avoid the idolatry that they had, that they had gone into in Egypt, and, for the, and for basically for them to live in peace so that they could then dwell with God and then they could go out to the other nations and bring God to them. And that idea of land is so important for our, for our understanding of the readings today. Because when we think of the land today, we don't think of, we don't, when we think of the promised land today, we're not thinking of a physical land that has been given to us. This land that God gives to us is eternal life. It's heaven. And so when we get to our gospel today, the story of the prodigal son, which is extremely familiar to all of us, that we hear every Lent, and even at penance services that we celebrate in Lent or in Advent, this gospel is often read. And many times the focus is on the prodigal son, the son who wants his inheritance and wants to go off to a foreign land and to squander that inheritance. But I think a couple things for us to think about differently about this parable that Jesus tells is the importance of that land and the importance of who the Father is portraying in the parable today. Because remember that the Old Testament reveals the New and the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament. And so when we see the Father in our Gospel today, the Father is an example of our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven who has given us everything that we need to have salvation. Who has provided everything for us. 
We have everything that we need as Catholics. There is nothing that we are doing without. He has provided everything that we need to be saved. And so what is being fulfilled in our gospel today is a recognition that this land is the promised land of eternal life. And so when we sit on the edge of the banks of the Jordan River, at the moment of our baptism, we pass through the Jordan River, which is those baptismal waters that are poured over our head so that we can participate in the nature of God. As you've heard me say many times, Catechism 460, we are partakers of the nature of God by virtue of our baptism. And prior to our baptism, we stand on the banks of the Jordan River, we cross over the Jordan in the baptism, and we are in the promised land. We are living in heaven here on earth by living in the church. The church is not just an institution in which we come to on Sundays, but it is the body of Christ which is in heaven and on earth both at the same time. And we are part of that body of Christ because we partake in the nature of God. Because of our baptism. And so the Father in our story today can be seen as our God. Can be seen as our Father in heaven who presides everything for us. And the Son says to the Father, and notice what the Father does. In our day and age, if you were to be a farmer, and the Son came to his dad, the farmer, and said, You know what, Dad? This land that's been in our family for a hundred years, I know that you're going to give it to me when you die. Actually, why don't you just sell the portion that's mine? And I'll just take the money and, and I'll just go away. I'll just be out of your hair. What would the dad do? Pretty sure my dad would shoot me. <laughs> I think most dads would be like, you idiot. You think I'm going to do that for you? Not a chance. Because that land that we have, it sustains our life. And so for us to have that land is extremely important. And it's the same thing for this father, but there's a tie to this land that is even more important for them because this is the story that Jesus is telling to the Israelites. And so when they have this understanding of land, this is the land that is given to them by God himself. And so this son who wants his dad to sell it off is saying, I want nothing to do with the promises of God. I want nothing to do with what God has given us. I'm basically saying, I want to go back to Egypt. That's what this son is saying. I want what I had in Egypt. I want the loose living, the idolatry, whatever it was that we had in Egypt. I want to go back to that. And the father doesn't stop him. The father lets him go. He lets him go. Think about the people in our own lives, other Catholics who we know who participated in the Mass, who are members of the parish, family members even maybe, who had everything. They had everything that the Father wanted to give them. And they said, I don't want it. I'm going away. I want to live the way that I want to live. I'm going to throw it all away. Get rid of all of it. One of the things that the Israelites did when they went into exile in order to try and fit in a little bit better is that they tried to cover their mark of circumcision. How you cover the mark of circumcision, I have no idea. 
but they tried to cover it up to fit in. And what happens with people that leave the church is they throw away what God has given them and they try to cover up the fact that they have, their heart has been circumcised by baptism. And they want to get rid of their own baptism. They want to get rid of the fact that they are participating in the life of Christ and the divine nature by their baptism. They throw it all away. But we continue to pray for them. We continue to reach out for them. And the Father in heaven is waiting for them to return. The Father in heaven is standing on his porch every single day looking for them and wants them to come back, desires for them to come back. We know how far away the son gets because he is associating himself with the, with the swine, with the pigs. Remember that the Israelites were not allowed to have pigs, to eat pork. They could have nothing to do with them. They were considered an unclean animal. And so the fact that he is with the pigs means that he's way out of the promised land. He has gone far away. He's left it all behind. But he comes back to the Father and he says, I know that I am not worthy to be a son of yours. I'm not worthy to be claimed a son of yours. So just consider me a slave. All I want is to be a slave. And I know that being a slave of you is even better than what I had before. And sometimes when people come back to the church, they humble themselves so much that they would rather just be a slave instead of being a child of God. They humble themselves so much, then they say just being a slave is enough. It's enough. But what does God do for us? What does the Father do for the Son? He says, you are not a slave. You are not a servant. He takes him into his home. He puts sandals on his feet. He puts the ring on his finger. He puts his best robe on him. He says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I don't care how far away you went. I want to restore you to this loving relationship, to this friendship, to this relationship we had before. That's what our Father does for us. When we throw everything away, God says, no, come back to me. And he does so through the sacrament of confession. When we, enter through, when, we, when we enter into the sacrament of confession, we are saying, I just want to be a slave. But God says, no, you are my son. You are my daughter. Come back. Because I love you. I want to restore everything to you. And we are restored to the fullness of the inheritance that we had before we left. And then we have the other son. The other son who relates to his father as a servant. The other son who says, I really don't want anything to do with you. I do my duties. I show up to Mass every week. I do what I'm supposed to do. And you don't even give me anything. This, one, this son who has been far away from you, you come back and you welcome him, you put the finest robe on him, you put a ring on his finger... And I've been here the whole time and you've given me nothing. I think in the church we have people who are here every single week but they don't realize what they have and they hold it against God that they have to be here. They hold it against God that God is desiring to do more for us. 
we put up walls, when we don't fully come in and accept everything that God wants. We do the bare minimum, and we are servants, but not like the first son, who desires just to be a servant, just to be in the presence of the Father. We are servants, slaves, in the sense that we hold it against our Father. We hold it against the Master, because we really don't like Him. We really don't actually like being here. But we do it because we are a slave. But our hearts are never converted. There is no real relationship with our Father. There is no real relationship with God. And thus, we don't fully accept what God wants to give us. Just like the older, the older son doesn't accept what the Father wants to give him doesn't accept the repentant brother. And so he separates himself from the Father. Both attitudes are far from God. The one who wants to get, wants to get rid of everything and go far away, but also the one who is merely just here to fulfill a duty. God has more in mind for us We are His beloved children. We have to humble ourselves, give ourselves over to our God so we can be His children. Today we celebrate Laetare Sunday. Laetare Sunday, there's two Sundays throughout the entire year that we are able to wear rose. Laetare means to rejoice. We rejoice on this Sunday because we are halfway through Lent, We're halfway to Easter. But we also rejoice because we recognize what God wants to give us and that God does give to us. But if we don't realize what we have, if we are like the older son and we push back against who our God is and we push back against what He wants to give us, we can never fully receive everything that God wants to give us. And so we must humble ourselves and be fully open to everything that God wants. And so I urge you to take this gospel home, to read it again, to read it with the eyes of the Father in the story being our Father in heaven, and place yourself in the story. Maybe you're neither of the sons, and you really do accept what God has given us. And that's a tremendous gift. And so give thanks to God. Maybe we are the older son and we kind of hold it against God that I have to wake up on Sunday mornings and go to Mass. Maybe our hearts are so far from God that we really are in a foreign land and that we really want nothing to do with the Mass or with the church. Maybe we really are far away. But to be honest with ourselves and bring that to our God humble ourselves so we may fully receive everything that God wants to give us.